And welcome back to another edition of the Daily Dots. As well, not always, but joined. I'm back in the game. I'm back at it after being gone for two days. But I've got total faith that my man Chase Taylor was able to hold things down for me. Um, And both of us are back today. Uh, I was happy to mansplain to everybody how (laughs) how Sluice worked yesterday. There you go. There you go. Yes, Sluice. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. That I hadn't looked at those numbers in a long time, and even when you texted me that down in uh, uh, down in Phoenix, I was looking at my phone, going, "Huh, I haven't seen that acronym in a long time. What is that?" And uh, so I so I needed a little mansplaining on it too. Um, it'd been it'd been a while since I dug into dug into the data that that deep. The, the Sluice numbers coming out don't automatically <clears throat> get to the top of my calendar. Yeah, and and that is why you're here, sir. So anyway, um, not a lot of data out today. Um, I do find – I was reading a tweet j- just now that I think is really funny and sort of sums up this environment in my opinion. Uh, a guy said, I'm trying to wrap my head around how everybody was bared up talking about the impending collapse at 4,100. You add 278 S&P uh, points to it and everybody's pulled up for a – We're so back. Blow off top at the all-time highs. Yep. Um, I continue to think, and I feel like it's represented in the fact that we really, as the year has progressed, we're trading less and less here. Um, I continue to think this is just a chop shop that's just going to hurt everybody. Yeah, I mean, that seems fair. And in the last couple of weeks, price action were definitely seemed like they were designed to see how many people they get hurt. Some pretty pretty big traps that were set both ways. Yeah, yeah, and it's just it, it's amazing how price swings sentiment. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. <clears throat> I mean, we thought we were flirting with some big levels a week and a half ago, two weeks yeah. ago, uh, and we were. But at the same time, you know, we were prepared for things to go against us, but we were trimming back hedges and pulling back on that stuff. And thank God we did. Thank God we got out of yeah. the way, man. Um, because we haven't really participated much to the upside with this thing, but we haven't gotten run over. Uh, yesterday wasn't a lot of fun, but. We, for those of you listening, we had one of those days yesterday where <laughs> completely non-correlated parts of the por- parts of the portfolio were getting hammered. Exactly, just every little piece of it got punched in the face, even though it has nothing to do with each other. Yeah, and then and and um, and I'll keep going back to this because I think it is so important to keep in mind, and it's so important, in my opinion, to keep revisiting is that old statement about bear markets being a hall of mirrors, right? Just because. When you look at the price movements, and and I'll just tell you, you know, guys, these are market mechanics going on. This stuff has nothing to do with underlying value, right? Um, And I think that that's why – to both sides, to both sides, I think that's why you need to be somewhat skeptical to all moves. You know, I I don't know what your thoughts on that, uh, Chase, but – um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not getting too fired up and too excited about things moving to the upside that we own. I'm not trying to draw too many conclusions about things getting hit that we own. Um, I mean, we unloaded an energy company today for good reason, in my opinion, on a fundamental basis. Right. But that's, I mean, that's, that's what those trades are for. I mean, when the facts change and then, then you just, you change the allocation. But right. other than that, you try, you know, if it's a long-term trade, you try to, you try to ride the ups and downs. Maybe you, dimmer switch trade around the core position but you try not to just get shaken out of stuff granted you're always going to have some trading positions too the ones that are just there for what you think is going to happen for the next month but 
Yeah, and it's just one of these like it's like I said, it's just one of those things that you have to you know, I've caught myself doing it a hundred times or, or in in my career, um, which is this doesn't make any sense. Well, if it doesn't make any sense and there's no fundamental basis for the move, then don't respond to it. Right? Like yeah, yeah. It, it they're like, just like we talked about too earlier, like even if you do, then you just get shaken out the first like right. first down tick because right. you don't believe in it. So yeah, I, no, and I think that's a good conversation we had earlier and just to, to offer some people some insight. You know, we were sitting there looking at how far we thought this thing could run, uh, as you probably would suspect if you've listened to anything we've talked about. We are not portfolios that are all loaded up on, you know, the Qs and Datadog and Tesla. And, you know, we, we, we don't own that stuff. And I was bringing it up to Chase. I was like, hey, you know, is this is this one of those moments where we need to increase our exposure to that stuff just to ride into the end of the year? And uh, he and I eventually agreed, you know, we agreed to not do that. But it was based off you, – you had a comment that I thought couldn't have been more spot on, which was if we do it, we're not going to have any convention, con, conviction to hold it. Yeah, exactly. And 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 we, we kind of flirted with doing that like two, three weeks ago, and I did have conviction because then it was like, well, our thesis isn't playing out that great yet, so it makes sense to hedge against ourselves by doing this. But then the data started rolling over pretty good. The labor market started to like show even more cracks, and it's like, well, now I don't really want to rent that stuff because – I don't want to hedge myself because it looks like it's working. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing too, is you look at some of these names that are popping. Um, <clears throat> they, it does feel to me like there's a big component of this. That's getting read as bullishness. That just isn't, I, it's just, it does look like just big short squeezes across the entire market. Yeah. Definitely playing a, a big role here, especially, you know, through yesterday. Yep. So, so little recap of the indexes. Nasdaq up 0.87. We're about two minutes before the close. I feel like that's probably pretty safe. Uh, 0.91 now up 123 points. You got to get an uptick into the close because that's the rules, right? Yes. Uh, yesterday was how many green Mondays in a row? Oh man, I lost count a long time ago, but a lot. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Well, Mondays make stocks worth more. Everybody knows that. Uh uh, Dow up 24 points, 0.07%, uh, S and P up 8.26 to 0.19. Really interesting. All this move, everybody's fired up. Even weight S and P 500 is still negative on the year. Yeah. Uh, big, big one today. It was oil down over 4%. That's that story just gets bigger every day. Yeah. I either some, I don't look, I'm not going to be one of, uh, conspiratorial whack job here, but you heard, you heard it here, folks. He's about to be a conspiratorial whack. Well, no, I, I just – once again, it just kind of sort of defies the, the bullish narrative of this economy, right? Like there's two things that explain what's happening in oil right now. Either demand is dropping or somebody's sitting on the price. I don't really know how you can sit on the price of something as big as oil. I'm, I Now, we could go through Twitter and find several people that tell us exactly how you do that. Of course, <laughs> right? The, it, it's it's, I've, the, it's we, never it's never them that's wrong. It's the market. Right. Do you know China imports sound like they're slowing and uh, Iranian exports to China clearly like suddenly falling off? So there's there's at least a little bit of a demand story here. Yeah. Yeah. It certainly seems like it. Um, <clears throat> but but yeah, it's just interesting. Well, the other thing that you and I talked about, too, and I think this is what's important, um, that the timing of this move, we, we were talking earlier today, if we were creating – well, these are your words, but if you were creating a perfect trap to trap as many people uh, to get bullish into a market, I, I really don't know 
if you could construct a better one than than what we're currently looking at. Yeah, like the way I thought of it was, I mean, if you like hired me to have the economy like really trap a lot of people, I, the way I would do it was have rates go really high, really fast, and then and then have no one have to feel that pain for a year, so that they convince themselves there was no pain. Um, it, it just feels like you know a bunch of Navy SEALs sneaking up on you under the water. So you think everything's fine until they just all pop out and shoot you kind of thing. <laughs> and I just feel like, cause we, we, that whole discussion started with the idea that, you know, this could go from the, a situation where the economy uh, decelerates quickly. Um, something we're both open to, not, not necessarily that we're calling for like a rapid decline and everything, but it just feels like that's, that's more possible than, than, than we're all used to. And I, I think that's the reason is because if something happens where rates um, get felt a little quicker than, you know, than they have been in the last year. And obviously the, the biggest thing there would be a bunch of people lose their jobs within say a three month stretch. Then, then you just, you would have a really big problem really fast. Yeah. And this is one of those times where, and it's hard, man. Like we talk about it all the time. Uh, this is one of those times that you'll hear people say this. And for those who are trading their own accounts out there, just a piece of free advice. So take it for how you will. Uh, or for what you will. But, um, you know, whenever I've looked at these periods of times in the past, I will just tell you that um, I have always been substantially better off sticking with high conviction type stuff that I really believe in and trying not to be too cute and trading around it. Like, I, I cannot tell you how many times I've looked back over a past period and said, you know what, man, had I just sat still in the things that I had belief in. Now, maybe they weren't the things that worked the absolute best, but I've just seen way too many periods where I look back and, and, I, and I behaved the way my grandfather used to say it, which was too smart by half, right? Just where, where literally you look back and it, you know maybe it's 350 basis points that you gave away, maybe it's more, but where you just look back and you sit there and go, look, I had to deal with some ups and downs that didn't make sense. I had to deal with some frustration. I had to deal with some clients calling me going, what in the world are you doing? You know, and you just sit back and go, look, it's a hall of mirrors right now. And we're going to, we, all you can do, and this is why I keep pounding the table. And on this same point, which is all you can do in periods of times like this is pay attention to your levels, manage risk properly, and then stare at the fundamentals, even when nobody else is doing it and, and accept the fact that over the short period of time, especially in this market, fundamentals don't mean anything. So don't overreact to a stock moving down. Now, the flip side is I also think it's a great time to trim. You know what I mean? Like that stock we sold today. It's been one of my favorite energy plays for about a year and a half. Management made some what I think are inexcusably bad decisions that really, to me, pointed to the quality of management. And we sold it. You know, like I, I think I think that's one of the things you use this is almost to scrutinize your own positions, but don't get too caught up looking at everything else because I just think in this environment right now, price is really a liar. Yeah. I yeah, I totally agree. And and to not and 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 not just to one side, right? Like we've talked about, I think there's stuff out there that is just too cheap. Slap your face, ridiculously stupid cheap, where you're like do somebody have dirt on these guys? Like, is this thing about ready to go, you know, where you're looking at the price going, I just don't get it. And then you flip around and you find stuff on the other side that's expensive like that. You know, um, it's just a wild ride. And I, I think that 
it's going to feel very inefficient. I think it's going to feel really frustrating at times. Um, but you know, I don't know what else to do other than just to keep your eyes fixed on value, you know, respond to changes if there are material changes and economic data and things of that nature. But, um, you know, that's the other thing that's interesting. Well, and you and I talked about it a lot and you, and, and we've even said it on the, on the dots, but you also had to know that this period of time was going to come that when the slowdown started looking imminent, right? When you started seeing data tipping the wrong way, that in a perverse way, the market was going to cheer that. And and I think it is perverse fundamentally, but it's really not perverse when you look at the last 15 years, right? Because the economy was not the driver of the stock market the last 15 years. Right, exactly. The central bank and Fed intervention was, right? So- Every time data started looking bad, that's when you want to start buying because you knew that another round of liquidity was coming, exactly. right? The market is still trading like this. And I think that they're really – I think I, – I, I continue to see the likelihood of a scenario in which the market continues to think that we get to a point where they all go in consensus, okay, here comes the liquidity and the Fed goes no. Yeah, it I was just reading – I don't remember who was about this, but like they're going back to the 2018 Powell pivot. At that point, you know, core CPI was 2%, so he could pivot. But now, you know, at the moment, it's stuck at about three and a half. So if if the data were to like come, just fall off a map tomorrow, is he, is he going to slash rates while core CPI is at three and a half? Probably not. Now, is he going to throw you a bone? I'm sure yes. But is he going, are, you know, we're going back to ZERP and QE just because it gets a, a little uncomfortable for a few people? No, like he can't do that yet. Well, the the other thing too, man, is... And I really have no idea. So maybe you do. And I don't want to talk out of turn. But when I look at the economy and I look at the importance that house housing plays and rent, you know, rent prices pay and all that, I kind of feel like they're in a position to where it, it again, I don't know. I'm not inside those talks. I don't have a ton of confidence in these people anyway. I just have a feeling that they're going to have to keep their finger, their foot on the brake pedal longer than people think because they don't need like if you look at housing in particular you don't need housing to quit going up they need it to come down right i mean don't you i mean i i, I don't understand how if they, i mean if they want to have a housing market at these rates then yes but but if they think they can get rates back down in the next two years i think it just staying staying flat could make sense yeah i guess Man, but, I don't. But if you don't get rates down, like home prices have to, unless you just want to get stuck in this no transaction, no world. And if you get stuck in a no transaction world, then there's a lot of people that still have jobs as realtors and, you know, painters and roofers and stuff that are going to have to try. They're going to have to find something new to do. Yeah. Well, here, here's the other thought, though. Like if you now, obviously, the setup is a little bit different right now. But let's say they started cutting rates right now. I think that you would see home prices reaccelerate. Oh yeah, hundred percent, no doubt. Right. So unless it's you know on the back of some significant unemployment or whatever, but but that's what I'm saying. I don't really think I don't think they're in a position when you look at well, the way the board is set up. And I don't ever want to underestimate these people's ability to make an irresponsible decision. I mean, for instance, and I've heard other people disagree. I think it's ridiculous arguments. Let's just look at what Janet Yellen just did with long term debt, and you know, failed to finance. A lot of that stuff at much lower rates, right? Like I, I don't want to underestimate. 
and I'm not going to say their stupidity because I don't think they're dumb people, but I'm not going to ever underestimate their unwillingness to end the party. You know what I mean? Like to do the, to do the painful thing. That's probably the right thing in the long term. I'm never going to assume that that's going to be the decision they're going to, they're going to make. Cause I've just seen them not make that decision too many times. Sure. Yeah, of course. Right. They're political actors at the end of the day. Yeah. But, but I, you, you look at housing. I just don't think that they can, I don't think they can risk. I mean, you just look, look at where housing's at. Something has to give. Right. And I mean, even if you, even if you pull rates down, when you look at home prices at these levels, I, I, I just, yeah. I mean, just the, the average or median, however you look at it, price to the average or median income is just, it's just super out of whack. Yeah. It's fine with two, two, three percent mortgages, but it just, didn't work north of there no no so i unless you want to you know condemn people in their 20s and 30s to never owning a home but but it is funny it is funny the the timing of these things meaning that the market starts taking off like it is weird it's perverse to watch but the market starts taking off the minute the signs of weakness start showing up yep (laughs) because it's already starting to bake in uh uh fed cuts what are your thoughts on that just spitball off the deal do you because i'm torn i i really i really am part of me and I really don't know what my own percentages are. I'd really have to sit and think about it. I, I probably torn about 50, 50, meaning part of me thinks that it's highly likely that I could see them taking their foot off the gas way too soon and watching this thing reaccelerate to the upside. I, I just don't, I don't think there is, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but even if they took their foot off the gas, in my opinion, you just nothing. You don't get much acceleration to the upside because that is, I think, I think the catalyst for, for most of the upside was a lot of pandemic era uh, stuff. I mean, the wage gains that came out of reallocating millions and millions of workers, um, that kind of stuff. That's over. That was a, that was a one off. The supply shocks from, you know, needing a bunch of stuff be coming from China and then a bunch of shutdowns because of COVID like that, that's over. That happened. That was a one-off demand being led by giant stimulus checks. That was a one-off that's over. Like I, I just, I don't see a reason why anything would meaningfully reaccelerate higher. I think well, you just, I'm at markets. Lot. I'm at markets. Okay. So markets, I don't think markets are going to, at the end of the day, markets are going to need earnings to, to really underscore this stuff. And we just, we were talking about it earlier. I wrote a piece about it recently, but I mean, taxes and interest are going to become, those have been nothing but a tailwind for really 20, 30, 40 years for corporates. And all of a sudden they're kind of becoming a headwind. No one's paying attention to it yet, but I mean, their, their interest coverage, interest coverage ratios are going to go higher. Their taxes are already starting to move higher. Um, you know, everyone uses the, um, EBIT or EBIT DOM and the I and the T are interest in taxes. We just ignore those because they don't matter to us. But I, I think five years from now, we're going to go, oh man, that I and that T kind of matter. Or they'll just change it to EBDA. <laughs> yeah. So, <Right? laughs> so I, I don't know. I, they'll have stuff a like that tells me we're not just going to rip. They'll have a new adjusted earnings metric that excludes interest in taxes. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm sure of it. You're going to have to like go do your own work to figure out what the interest and in taxes are to see what's real life. But I mean, you already do. But hey, that's a side note. Do you do you do you think? And and I in a way, I thought they sort of did. And then I watched that all kind of go the way of the dinosaur over the last decade. But um, it it also seems to me that when you read like 
and I'm not a forensic accountant, and I, if I was, I think it'd work even better. I, I am amazed at the latitude that they give these companies in terms of reporting their earnings. I mean, if you don't really know what you're reading, you read through some of these earnings reports. The the, the impre- if you don't know what you're looking at, the impression you walk away with is oftentimes way different than the underlying scenario. It, it I, it seems to me. It's crazy in a world that we, when you think about the level of regulations that guys like you and I have to dance through every single day, and then the latitude in which they give these companies in terms of reporting. I mean, there's times when you and I do this for a living. There's times where I'm sitting there looking at an earnings report, scratching my head going, I don't even know what this means. And you got to dig into context. I got to send it to Jamie, our other analyst, to go break it down and tell me what's really going on. Because you read, you read the numbers these people put out. You read the headlines, beat. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've watched this ebullient response from the market based on the headlines of a beat. And then you go look at the underlying data, companies' revenues down 10, 15% year over year. Uh, this quarter is a perfect example where revenue is pretty bad. Uh, I mean, you're like, you're kind of at multi year like uh, lows on revenue growth. Like it's a problem right now. And then you go look at earnings and they are amazing. I mean, you're, you're having a great quarter for earnings crushing expectations and then you go look at you know how many are beating on the revenue side and it's under 50 percent. it's like 80 something percent beats on earnings and like 40 something percent beats on revenue and it, and it that and it's worse than that sounds yeah it is worse than that sounds and and, and I, guys i again there are no guarantees in this game but that's a tell i mean that's traditionally a tell right like you and i have said so many times uh the the and obviously profit margins mean everything, but when I want to see a company really growing or one of the things I love to pay attention to is just revenue growth year over year because it is what it is. You can't massage that number nearly as much, right? Yeah, exactly. When you see those beats coming down and the other thing to think about, we're talking about beats of expectations, right? Yes. Not next, not last year, not the prior. It's beats of expectations that analysts have gotten off of guidance given to them by management. Okay. If these, if, if 40, if less than 50% of these companies are beating in revenue, that means that the reality is coming in even softer than they thought. Right? Yes. So how that deserves multiple expansion, I, you know, your your guess is as good as mine. Anyway, we're going a little long here. Run us through the run us through the pieces of data and info that you think we we need to know that are pertinent from today. Yep, I got a bunch. I'm going to go quick since we're already a decent amount of time here. So fiscal thrust is actually turning negative. So the, basically, just the size of the deficit um, in GDP terms year over year is actually running negative after some huge upside quarters. Um, the New York Fed had their like consumer debt. Uh, report come out today delinquency rates uh they're up about and this goes for autos for credit cards for everything you can kind of look at it in a bunch of different ways but delinquency rates are up about 0.2 percent which may not sound like a lot but if you go up another 0.5 percent you're basically at gfc levels so um specifically for like 30 year olds um on autos credit cards uh for everyone you you're looking at so for all all consumer debt for all age groups, the whole nine yards, four more quarters of what you just had um, as an increase, and you're at an all-time high for four delinquencies. So, 
that we're, we're moving a lot higher and it's important because again, we're at full employment. If unemployment rates under 4%. Uh, we just had 5% GDP growth and yet we're, I mean, just blasting off and delinquencies for um, cars, f- even even for homes is starting to tick up a little bit for credit cards. Um, and the size of people that are going to collections. So the number of people in collections is still super low, but the, the average number that's going into collections is absolutely skyrocketing, which we talked about tells me, you know, Either people are just handing a whole an enormous credit card bill and saying, "Yep, not paying that," or you know, people bought a really expensive car and they can't pay for it. Um, every every single category, but student student loans was up, and that's obviously because people just started repaying those. Um, I ran the numbers for the last jobs report, and if you exclude the birth death model that creates a bunch of sort of fake jobs in the end of the day, especially in the last couple of years with some bad data. Jobs were down 262,000 last month. Um, And another kind of under the hood labor uh, market metric, if you take the household survey and the establishment survey, two different surveys, everyone just quotes the establishment survey, but there are actually two employment surveys. Um, If you chart, chart out the spread of those two, so the difference between those two, whenever that spread blows out and gets big, that tends to be a sign of a recession. And usually that's because the household survey starts to fall apart and the establishment one stays strong. Uh, I went back to World War II and, and charted this. Anytime that spread blows out above 300,000 for a year, you have a recession. And we're just under 500,000 at the moment. We still have two more, two more months of data, so that spread could still come back in and not be a big deal. But as of now, if we hold serve, it'll be the biggest spread between those two data, data sets since 1953. And it's one of those things that every single time it happens is a recession since since the 40s. Um, seven times, in fact, since 1950, all recessions. Um, 337,000 jobs have been revised away in 2023. So another, another note on the labor market that's not that great. Um, holiday hiring has been super weak. Um, the data I looked at is the weakest since 2018. I saw somewhere else it was reported as the weakest since 2013. So that tells you what uh, retailers think about demand for, for the holidays, it seems like. Um, and lastly, the really only data we did get today was consumer credit. That missed. Uh, and it was the second worst uh, print in the last two years for revolving credit. So consumer credit, not only is delinquency starting to rip, um, but people are taking out less of it. And we know from the sleuths that banks, the demand for it's not there and they're tightening credit on it. Yeah, there's another interesting one too. I'm forgetting what the name of it is, but there's a it's it's something called a some guy's name and a rule, uh, which, Som rule, and it's a it's a gal. Oh, okay. Yeah, but you don't even know what I'm talking about. The cloudy Claudia Sam the Som rule. You talking about where unemployment goes up? Yeah, yeah, you percent. did get yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So so every time unemployment has moved fifteen percent higher, right off its low. Right, isn't it a fifteen percent move up? Three month. Right? So the rule is the three month moving average goes up 05 percent. Okay. okay. Um, and we are at. So if we get two more point one percent moves higher, so if we go from uh, three point nine to four to four point one in the next two months, it will trigger in December. Yes. Yeah, and it's a it's a fifteen percent bump off the bottom. Yeah. Yeah, and we're flirting with that. We we're we're very close. Um, I. And and they, oh sorry, and when that's happened, one hundred percent of the time in the past, you've had a recession. Yep. So I, 
It's just another one of those. It's just another 100% indicator that we're either, we've either ticked off or are knocking on the door of doing so. Yep. So buy stonks, baby. They're cheap. (laughs) They're getting cheaper by the day. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. All right. Well, that's about sums it up for us today, guys. Uh, Stick with us as we continue bringing this information with, you know, checking it out, memorializing it every single day, making sure we're staying on top of this stuff. But uh, yeah, just batting down the hatches because I think we got a little bit more bad news is good news to work our way through before people start recognizing, uh, you know, what's what's really going on. So anyway, we'll be back tomorrow. You guys take care of yourselves. Don't forget to log in for the dots tomorrow. And um, what do we have coming out later this week? Do we have anything of note? No, not really. We kind of a slow just jobless week. claims right. um, Thursday and you uh, Mish all the consumer sentiment and inflation expectations on Friday, but we'll have, uh, we'll have the inflation print next week. That's really the next big thing. Well, you heard it here first folks. All right. Well, until tomorrow, we'll see you then. You're listening to know your risk radio podcast, download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.